we would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands and waters where we're recording from, the Waramai and Wanarua peoples. We acknowledge the Waramai and Wanarua elders, both past and present. Newcastle Knights. Darren Tracy's first touch of the footy. Now Andrew John. Strikes a little hole himself. He's close. Right. He reaches out. That's a title, Andrew John. Bruce Street from the little halfback. And that's a good reward for a great game in his debut match for the Newcastle Knights in first grade. Andrew John scores the try and that should wrap it up for the night. Coming to you live from Waramai and Wanarua Lands, it's the Bay 53 podcast, part of the Sports Best Friend Podcasting Network, and still brought to you by A-plus Contracting and Poly Welding. We win, we win, we win. The girls are doing it where the boys just can't quite get there. It was a story of the uh, glass being half full up on the Gold Coast as the girls made it two from two. And the boys, well, the less we're going to say about them, probably the better, both for our well-being and your enjoyment. We are so close to the men's season and you can almost taste it. We've got Team List Tuesday. We've got Bretto here as usual and we've brought in the very final, last, but possibly most important of the original Bay 53 alumni and one of the Looney Clunes regulars at Maitland Mumbler to help us once again, as we do on a weekly basis, try to understand the Newcastle Knights. Bretto, Mumbler, it's good to have you aboard, boys. Thanks for having me. Um, I think we're going to look. I, th- I think I'll start off, but we'll, we'll start off by sort of saying it's great to have a week without controversy. That's been terrific. You sort of touch wood as we record. We generally find Mumbler very early. Very yeah, early. yeah. We generally tend to, tend to find that we click stop on recording, and some news is broken that someone else has been found in a dunny somewhere. <laughs> That's the way it seems to go. Yeah, so someone got track of KP. Can we keep KP locked down for the night? That'd be great. (laughs) But it was nice to have a week free of seeming controversy, which does allow us to focus on um, the on-field shithousery. And uh, we'll jump straight into it, uh, fellas. The the Knights, man. Let's let's get the let's get the rubbish out of the way early. Uh, What was it? It was a thirty-six to twenty. Twenty-six. Yeah, 36-26 loss to the mighty Gold Coast Titans up on Seabus Stadium, up at Seabus Stadium. I've got to be honest with you, considering how poorly we generally go when we when we travel up there, this was a surprisingly not as shit as expected uh, performance, if still expected. Oh, 12 men for 30 minutes helps. <laughs> They were gonna. They were gonna. They were on course to put fifty on us. I had every belief in the world that we were gonna concede fifty until um, uh, Brian Kelly had a brain snap and uh, was rightly sent off. Um, after- I was laughing at Vossi talking about like the Knights had a chance to come back. I'm like, mate, this is great. He's gonna kick the score below fifty. That's that's the winner. There's no chance of a comeback. It's actually really funny you should say that, Bruno, because the thing that popped out for me about the men's game on Sunday was. I was blown away by how positive both Vossi and Michael Ennis were about the Knights. I was like, 
have they been are they working on bonuses or something or have they been have they been told hey sharp because they they never speak that well about the knights and we're terrible at the moment like we're just it's, god awfully terrible it's you you you'll notice this look remember this next year we'll have this conversation you'll notice in the last few weeks every year the commentators commentators talk up these teams because this is your clickbait all off season so you talk up the positives at right now and you get, you know, you keep people interested and then you use all this clickbait. You go, well, they did this in the last two rounds. They did that in the last week, you know, and that's their clickbait to keep fans engaged over the off season. Cause the shitty teams like us, like we're more than happy to, to clock out of this until next February. I've never actually thought of it that way. It's cause it's funny you say that. Like I'm sort of used to that Newcastle Knights bubble where we just generate clicks no matter what. Like, and obviously for the last decade we've been shit anyway. So it just it just felt so weird for me to be talk for them to be talking us up during the game because I genuinely thought they must be losing subscri- subscribers by the minute if yeah. they are trying to say no 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 stick with us there might be something good to see here because everybody knew there was going to be like even when Edric scored that first try in the second minute, I was just like. There's, there's still an air. There's just still such an air of inevitability about this men's team. Like I just still don't see how we win from here. Oh yeah, like that. that all that Edric t- try did was make it not nil. You know, I was stoked it was not nil. <laughs> Shout out to our beloved producer Big T. He does love a uh, a not nil. Um, Mumbler, you've been um, you've been sort of following the Knights. Um, well, basically, you know, as long as Bredo and I have. Um, before we do, you know, deconstruct the men and then go on to happier things in the women's game, tell tell us a bit about your story, mate. How you um, how you got lumbered in with the red and blue? What uh, what keeps you uh, attached to them? Yeah, how how did you become a, a noble uh, Newcastle Knights supporter? Yeah, thanks, K Dog. Um, I guess you could say I'm a Newcastle Knights lifer. Um, probably been a, a rugby league fan for as, as long as I can remember. Um, you know, grew up watching the game. I think my, my dad and his brothers played schoolboy footy and my mum my had a couple of brothers that played schoolboy footy, so always had an interest in it. And I would have been maybe nine or ten when the Knights um, came into the competition. And I must admit, I don't remember being too excited at the time. I was probably old enough to have um, an interest in the game and started to follow another team. There might have been a team in blue and gold that possibly won a few grand finals that I had my own at that stage. And... I remember there, there was a pre-season game in 1988 before the comp kicked off and Dad dragged us along and might have been the Knights' first trial at home. I don't think it was their first trial in existence, but the first trial at home, and it was called something like the Herald Pre-Season Challenge. Yeah, yeah. And the Knights had a game against Manly, who, if I'm not mistaken, were the actual premiers the season before. Um, and ran out a bit of a star-studded team. Like I think it was the likes of Cliffy Lyons, Tuvi, um, Noel Khalil, um, you know, players of fatty. that. And, yeah, like just a, a fatty board and a superstar lineup. And I remember Dad bringing us along and me kind of just coming along for the ride and not really expecting too much. Um, and, you know, as history will tell it, somehow the Knights managed to actually win that game Um reasonably well from memory it might have been something like 24 to 10 or 24 to 12 and basically from that minute on i, I was absolutely hooked um the, the previous team from sydney that i had my eye on i dropped like a bad habit and um <laughs> pretty much one red eye and one blue eye from that day on 
Yeah, right. So, so Leon's had me for a couple of months then because obviously I've told this story that I was Parramatta until after the Parramatta game in that first round. So Leon jumped, jumped ship a couple of months before me, so he's got me covered. All <laughs> over it, Bretto. Um, Mumbles, have you ever – look, I, I probably haven't asked anybody this question, and I don't know why it comes to mind uh, tonight. But Because as you said before, yeah, you are a lifer, and certainly by this stage of this season, you sort of do tend to ask yourself, well, what have we done to deserve this? Have, have you ever not doubted your decision, but has there ever been an inkling to drop the Knights? Like, you know, like you just yeah. like – like the three spoons, the, 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 you know, the three spoons in a lot of ways makes us forget that off season where uh, like a plethora of our players were in court on drug charges. Like there's been a lot of hurt over the years. Have you ever sort of thought to yourself, no, nah, they've done, they've done me this time. I just, I can't continue on. Yeah. I mean, I'm probably not telling anything to any Knights fans out there to, to say that, you know, they kind of drive you to the brink at times. Um, look, to be honest, this season, it's probably been the most challenging since I've been a fan. I, I think in the Spoon years, um, and you guys might agree, there was always the hope there. Like the teams yeah. that were trotting out, um, you know, there was some journeymen, backpackers, taxi drivers, some guys that were just happy to be there. And you thought, okay, we're building towards something. They're trying their best. The results weren't there, but on to bigger and better things. And we were promised the rebuild and we were patient. And, you know, we jumped out of the blocks this season I think it was two from two and um, before the wheels fell off. And, yeah, geez, it's it's been a long season, hasn't it? Gents, can I can I put this to you? Brett, I'll, I'll ask you this one first because I, um, I've actually been pondering this a lot lately, particularly given the general consensus seems to be that, no, this, this is the worst season we've ever had. Like, statistically, it's not. But from a, from a fan vibe perspective. This is the worst season we've experienced. Can I ask you, Bretto, is the smartest thing Nathan Brown ever did from day one was telling, was lowering our expectations as low as he possibly could? Is that the smartest thing a coach has ever done? Because if if we'd been told this year was going to be rubbish, would we be more satisfied with six wins? It's an interesting one. I don't I don't think no. I don't I don't think um Adam O'Brien would have got away with that. Like, I, there's no way Adam O'Brien could come out and say after two after back-to-back finals, and the roster we've got on paper, you come out and say this is going to be a thing. Where Nathan Brown, so that's what Nathan Brown did was not the fact that he said we'd lose, is the fact that he got a very good play we had. So, so you look at the you look at the team on paper and went, of course we're going to lose. Like, there's no way, you know, there's no way that can change. So that was Nathan Brown's smart move. Was the rebuild was the rebuild, but he literally sacked every good player we had, you know, so you had nothing to cling on to. Um, it's it's t- been tougher this year for mine simply because I think the spirit that we all cling to about the Knights, and, yeah, we've been rubbish and, we've you know, we've, we all have a go at the effort sometimes, but this year the spirit that we love about the Knights has not been there for mm. what, three or four months. You know, it'll, it'll quite often it'll go at the back end of a year when you're not going to make the finals, but that happens to all teams. But I'd I'd say that we've been dead in the water since probably not long after Magic Round, which is round 10. So it's been three or four months of just abysmal nothingness. I want to I wanna discuss this more with you, obviously, in our end-of-season wrap-up. But it's funny what you should mention when we've been dead in the water. You and I discussed it at the time. We said, look, the season will de- will define what a turning point that game was. 
And you, you, we were right at the time. We were dead in the water after the Manly game. The the Manly home yeah. game yeah. was, when you look back on it now, the actual end of our season because we went into that with no excuses. We went into that game where we should like we really should have won that game comfortably. And the way Manly season has unravelled, you know, we like to knock the Knights for their sort of mental weakness. Well, you look at the way Manly has unravelled. Like they really are a team that should be there for the taking every week, and we were just. We were just non-existent. Leon, you were actually you because you were at that manly game that yeah. night. Um, take us back to that wonderful evening. Uh, but um, but yeah, it's sort of how did you feel at the game that night? And how 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 does that and and back to the original question, how is that sort of how do you feel about the way the season has been shaped in terms of your expectations versus how you feel about the season? Yeah, I guess I'll answer that that part first. If I'm not wrong, I'm pretty sure the coach came out early in preseason and said we're aiming for top four. Um, I don't know how realistic that was, but I like that as a fan. Um, and I think we might have spoken about it at the time, you know, seventh place finishes in the last couple of years was okay, but then kind of going out, bundled out in the first round of the finals, they needed to be aiming higher. It had to be the springboard, didn't it? Seven, two yeah. seventh place first rounds had to be the springboard up the ladder rather than, yeah, what it's become. There was certainly something there to build on. Obviously, you know, losing Pierce in the off-season and not replacing him wasn't ideal, but I thought it was set up well. Um, and, you know, probably that was vindicated in the first-round performance where we came out and, you know, we were still pretty rusty against the Roosters, but had a pretty good second half. Um, the, the Tigers' performance was okay. You know, we we handled them pretty easily. Obviously, we all know what happened after the send-off in round three. And then it really unraveled from there. But, yeah, I, I, I agree. Like, the rot really seemed to start after that Manly game. That might have been the stretch of, a, I think there was maybe five home losses in a row where really we were out of the game, either at halftime or the 60-minute mark. And I remember that game because I may have been the only member of Bay 53 in attendance at that one. You one, definitely were. <laughs> it, was it was ordinary weather. I was there by myself. I was hunched up the back under an umbrella. Manly played really cynical tactics on that day as well, and we just had nothing to counter. There was no petrol in the tank, um, and then that was compounded by, you know, some ensuing losses after that, and um, that's all she wrote. The season was over. Mm. Boys, I, um, I like you said, Bredo, you and I sort of chatted beforehand, and you're like, look, there actually is a lot of positive, there are some positives in the Knights at the moment. So we sort of don't want to do all of those positives, the disservice by allowing the, the, the men's team to really drag it down too much at this stage. With that in mind, I, I do want to talk about a couple of positives that you know might have come out of the game. For me, the two big positives actually from the game are still the two young players that seem to be offering something. So uh, Dom Young, I think without a doubt, um, is probably has probably been our player of the season. I, I don't know if he's going to take out many of the voted awards. Uh, he missed a few games. You know, he's still working on his consistency. Um, but I think Dom might get the coach's award. Yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Christian Mapapalangi, though, he's he was one of those players that had that massive rap on him in the preseason um you know we 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 worked hard to poach him from the from the seagulls the seagulls wanted to invest a lot into him uh he bided his time uh he uh, he had a stellar debut against the raiders and for a young player who plays well in their first game at home the second game they can go either way they'll either you know they'll bounce off it and go yeah no i'm here to belong or they'll sort of well i'm not hang on you, you want me to do this two weeks in a row at this level i'm not sure about this 
but Maps looks like he's he's there to stay. He looks like he's earned that position now. He's he. I, I thought he was fantastic on Sunday. Yeah, that's his jersey now. There's no there's no doubt about that. Um, what they do with Bradman and Gags and all that. One of those two centers jerseys is Maps. There's no there's no there's no doubt about that at all. Um, what I like about him is the fact that. He's a touch footy player, so all his footwork and his skill and his quick hands is because he was an elite touch footy player. Um, or apparently, he was a rugby league player too, but touch footy was his game. So those guys always not shy, scared of contact's not the right way of saying, but they they tend to struggle when they get first grade and they're getting whacked or they're trying to yeah slip a pass or you know they try they get around their man with the half get around their man whereas in juniors they would just burn them and score whereas in first grade they'll get whacked from the blind side and you know, get their ribs caved in but he's not scared of none of that he got whacked a couple of times and the Titans have got some some solid sort of sized outside backs and, and David Fafita read out him a couple of times there um. He wasn't scared of contact. To me, that's the encouraging thing. That's the and and I'll give AOB a rap there. And AOB mentioned in the press conference that they wanted to put him in for quite a while now, but they held him back playing cut playing against men. And you can see that that extra two or three months getting smacked in the ribcage by men has done him the world of good. Um, Mumbles, are you are you um, mad about Maps? Are you uh, happy with, the, with with his inclusion in the team? Where do you see him going? How do you see him fitting in? Yeah, I think it's it's a matter of so far so good, isn't it? Like, obviously, super impressive in his debut game. Um, just has a really good, from what we can tell, good sense of space. Um, yeah, obviously, a lot tougher for him this week. But I, I like the way he aimed up, as a, as Bretto said. Copped a few hits, um, jumped back up, brushed himself off, and, and ready to go again. So pretty excited to see how he goes next year with, a like, a full off-season under his belt. Bretto, I'll give you the option here. Do you want to talk about the team today before we get on to the 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 women's t- team, or do you want to do you want to talk about something positive? No, no let's rant. The rant right. is coming. I've been, I've been holding my tongue for a few weeks now, giving you a bit of benefit of the doubt. Here comes the rant. Okay, I want to I want to read you this one this one to seven. I mean, the the eight to thirteen sort of speaks for itself a little bit. So Tex Hoy, Edric Lee, Dane Gagai, Christian Mapapalangi, uh, Dom Young, Phoenix Crossland, Adam Clune. Mate, can I ask you... Go to the bench, mate. Read the bench out. Yeah. (laughs) Must I? 14, Chris Randall. 15, Jacob Sofidi. 16, Pasami Solo. And 17, Jack Johns. Take it away, Bretto. 18, Simi Sasagi. Okay, so Simi Sasagi. Everyone in rugby league knows that he's our top tier under sort of 22, 23 player. He's the one with the hopes on him. He's the one with the X factor, with the skill, the almost sure thing. And we've done the right thing by him. We haven't thrown him to the wolves when we've been getting smashed. I've supported AOB not throwing him in every week and getting belted while the team's getting belted because that does players no good. And we've seen that in the Brown rebuild. It can destroy some guys. And, and Bradman Best another example. You know, like he he sort of he's gone gone to um gone to pot because we've been getting belted and his confidence has uh, followed that. But Simi Sasagi not getting picked now is reason for AOB to be fired. How can you be picked? Okay, so we we. We've selected him as a lock. The position they think he's in first grade is a lock, 
slash center. But his natural position, the position that he's best at is 5'8". So what have we got to lose by sticking him in a 5'8 when we don't have one in the bloody squad and going, well, let's see what we can do, mate. You can have this week, you can have last week, you can have this week playing 5'8 in the first grade team with good players around him just to see what he has. And not only have we not picked him at 5'8", we've not picked him at lock, we've not picked him at centre over Dane Gagai who couldn't tackle me. <laughs> we've picked him, we haven't picked him on the bench over bloody Jack Johns who won't be here and shouldn't be near a first grade roster in the history ever again in the game. We've picked Chad Randall who... What? The guy's got more games this year than he should have got, and we're still getting giving him games now. And Simmy's not playing. That is absolutely taking the piss out of the fans. Because what it tells me is that AOB's put the cue in the rack and he's giving guys jerseys just to make them feel good about themselves. Sorry, mate. This is a professional sport. We all pay our friggin' money to watch. The broadcasters pay money to be to have the games on TV. Pick your bloody best team, you idiot. Not just for this week, but for next year and the year after that. Because I guarantee you, Simi Sasagi is in our best 13 players right now. And he's sure as hell will be in our best 13 players next year. And to pick those other Muppets ahead of him is an absolute indictment on this club and that and that person as coach. And honestly, I would fire him on the spot for that alone. Bretto, Bretto, are you still there? My my computer my computer is on fire. It, it can't handle the heat from the baking that you've just been throwing down. Are you still there, mate? <laughs> I've calmed down, but the blood vessel is, is bursting, but I'm okay. <laughs> oh, it's tremendous, Bretto, just tremendous. You are listening to the Bay 53 Podcast. Mumbles, I'll give you not a right of reply, but certainly <laughs> off that off that hot platform. Um, I, I mean, I guess I'll get your thoughts on it because I do have a couple of thoughts. I, I probably agree hot, um, for the most part with um, Bretto, but I, I do have a different take. But yeah, I, I'd be curious to where where do you sort of feel about you know just team selections in general, but certainly what we're doing with some of our younger players. Yeah, it's a bit puzzling. I mean, obviously, back row on 5 eights just a, a, an issue for us at the moment. There's plenty of guys injured, a lot of guys out. I'm just looking at the bench. I can see where he's coming from. Obviously, Jacob Safidi is in. I'm happy with Solo over the last couple of weeks. I think Chris Randall's getting a jersey. Probably is a bit of a thank you on Old Boys Day for hard work put in. Um, he's probably played above and beyond this year. He hasn't been cited for a few weeks because of injury. He's given a go. Jack Johns, I don't get. Um, has he played for us this year? Maybe one or two games? Uh, I, th- I think he's played a couple. Yeah, not many, yeah. though. Um, Simi Sasungi, I, I don't know. I, I, I just want to see that guy in blue and red. He's had, Even when he's been picked... I don't think he's got more than 12 or 15 minutes a game. Like, he's raw, he runs hard, he's got pace, he's the sort of guy that we need. And the thing that I I don't understand either is the couple of times that he's got a run and he's made the odd mistake, he seems to be punished or held accountable more than other players. Bang on. Um, That's that's the thing that annoys me. Every time he makes a mistake, he gets hooked. Yeah, there was a there was a huge blow up a few weeks ago where he, he knocked on in a pretty crucial position. Um, you can see the coach blowing up in the box, but um, I I thought that was an overreaction. I just don't get it. I wanted to see him picked all year, and I I just don't know. I don't I don't know whether they don't trust him, whether it's a matter of preferring other guys. But like it's a it's a red flag for me. It stinks. It stinks of playing favourites. It absolutely stinks of. Playing favourites on this guy, you know, he's a good guy. He works hard the training paddock, so I'm going to pick him. 
Well, if that's the case, come out and say it. But it's also wrong. If Simi's attitude is so bad you can't pick him, well, then why did we extend his contract? We just yeah. extended his contract, so we think there's a footballer there, and we think he's a good enough character to be in our club, yet we won't play him. It just it makes no sense. I, I, I think the best part – sorry, I think the bit I'd probably agree the most with you at, at the end there, it, it just doesn't make sense. Like whatever you whatever you think about you know the season's over what we should be doing should we be playing for the future so should we be picking our best team like there's no rhyme or reason to the way we're picking these teams at the moment I had a bit of an interaction with um, uh, can I just Matt. say one thing why do we pick yeah. Chad at fourteen when he plays one position and that guy who plays in that position is the captain of the team and will not go off the field yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. And that's why I give a lot of – I actually put a lot of substance in um, in Mumbler's idea that you get the impression this is more of a thank – because it's old boys' day. So you get the impression this is a, a bit of a thank you. Um, I sort of um, – my understanding is that the Chad's actually been pretty upset that he's been dropped just because Braley has been back in, in the side. Um, I just want to have a look at Simi Sasagi though this year. So he's played thirteen games. He started one of them. Only one, he started that, or at least he he had um, the first thirteen number on his on his back. He was number three for our. He was a centre for our um, fifty point drubbing at the hands of Melbourne. Played thirteen. He's won. Th- he's been part of three wins. The rest of the appearances have been off the bench. Sorry, he was on the wing against Manly, um, but I, th- I think he injured yeah, himself no, that game. That day, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I know this is because one thing that I always remember is that you and I, Bredo, we went into this season with no excuses, and I kind of feel like we've gone against that a bit. At least I have, where we've sort of found excuses where we possibly can. So I'm not going to excuse the side today. I think it's it's terrible, um, or at least the bench sort of leaves a lot to be desired. Um, but having said that, you sort of hope that O'Brien, as you've said, the club's extended Sasagi, knowing that he is a big part of our future. You kind of hope that the reason he's picked Randall and Johns is you sort of look, it's old boy's day, it's your last home game, it's probably going to be but, your yeah, last home. Is, no one's no one's coming to watch the Chad or Jack Johns play. It's no, old I know. boy's day. It's, a, it's Father's Day. Make fans excited to come and watch your team play football. Show them, show them a, glimpse of, a glimpse of next year. Show them something when they walk away after with the inevitable drubbing. They're going to go, well, Looks like we've got a player there. What are we getting out of playing? Like, because the Chad's not as good as Simi. Jack's not as good as him. It's not like they're playing better players that are just moving on. Those guys aren't as good as him. Why are they? It makes no sense at all. And, and Old Boys Day should be a celebration of the Newcastle Knights Club. And it really annoys me. It's gotten to the point, and Brownie started it, where guys get handed jerseys on Old Boys Day to keep them happy. Um, Tyrone Amy got his one thing. Where he got one game, he thought oh, he's in the no, he's in he's in the reckoning for the future. He was playing for Maitland the next year. Um, the hooker, I forget his name, that's gone to Canberra. <clears throat> you know, like he got oh. one one game and thought, oh, well, game. They finally realised, you know, he can play first grade. Nah, that was just Brownie handing him a jersey, to, you know, to thank him. Like Old Boys Day is not this little participation day where everyone goes along and sings Kumbaya. All these days when you show respect for the club and for the, the blood, sweat and tears those guys have put in, not by playing guys that don't deserve to wear the jerseys as other blokes have worn. Yeah, it, it's hard to argue. I just, and it's like I said, I go back to, there's, there's just no sense that you can sort of make from some of the team selections. Um, I had an interaction with Matt Clark at Madden Kidder and he was sort of saying, look, 
you know, why aren't we giving Matt uh, Matt Croker more minutes? Like, well, what's he? Do- what's the guy done wrong? Why are we? Why are we starting Suaso Sue, and we're not giving minutes to this guy who's supposed to be a big part of our future? Now, um, it did it did actually come out that um, Croaks was a bit unwell, but notwithstanding that, he was picked on the bench before he was unwell. Um, I think that's what's concerned me about the end of the season is that I just you don't understand what they're trying to achieve out of these last few games because Anthony Milford is another example of that. Why did we persevere with Milford for the rest of the season once we knew that he was going? Correct. But then for the last game of the season, we're like, well, we're just not going to pick you this, but we're going to give Phoenix Crossland a go. And I'm like, what What are you trying to... I think to- his shoulder's gone from last week. I think he was unfit. Oh, is he injured? Is he? Oh, okay. All right. Well, no, I sort of... I'll- yeah, I think as he said in the pressure of the presser last week, he did his ribs, so I, I wasn't surprised that he wasn't... Oh, okay. No, no. Yeah. The, um, the, the Milf thing, but what I would say with the Milf thing is... So if you think because Adam Adam Clune is not going to be the first choice halfback next year, there's no doubt about that. So if you want to play Milf because you've paid for him to play for him and he's experienced half and you need an experienced half, so put him at halfback and yeah. give a few guys that you think maybe five eight a run at five eight next to an experienced former Origin player. Yeah. Like, there's no point playing Adam Clune there next to Milf to achieve nothing when we're getting belted. Put us to Simi there at five eight. You know, whether it's Phoenix, put put Phoenix there at 5'8". Whatever you think that, you you know, a guy that possibly could be in your future plans, put him next to your halfback if you want to play him. But there's just absolutely no point playing Milford Clune every week. It made no sense. Mm. And, and I guess that's the thing is that, you know, because Adam O'Brien got himself into trouble when he said in a presser, you know, he, he said his four grand finals presser, and he was like, oh, I was trying to give the, the, the fans some hope. You know, so, well... You could give us some hope by what you do on the park as well, because we can't see what you're trying to achieve. And if you're trying to give us some hope in what you're saying after the game, I can guarantee you it's a lot easier to give people hope uh, after you've seen a solid performance that makes some sense. Boys, I do want to get onto the women's game just quickly, but uh, but before we do do that, uh, are we one of the worst men's club in the teams in the history of rugby league at being able to get the ball on the ground once we cross the, the try line? Like the like, how how many times have we seen so many of our players held up? But like David Clemmer, Jacob Saifidi, and I think was Bradman another held up over the line yeah. on yeah. on the weekend. No, not on the weekend, but he has been several times this year. Oh, Brady yep. is ter- he is terrible at that this season. So um, yeah, that's probably one of the first times I reckon I've seen um so many front rowers cross the line and come well, away with zero the, points. The Jacob Saifidi one was a try for your money. Hundred percent. Um. All right, let's let's shake off that let's shake off that uh, that unpleasantness and get to uh, get to more happy stuff, boys. The um, the women's team have not only rectified last season where they uh, they couldn't win any of their five games. There are two from two, um, which touch wood isn't going to be an indicator of um, of uh, bad things to come. But they're playing good footy. Uh, they walked away with a sixteen to twelve hard fought win over the Titans on Sunday evening. Um, Great, great stuff from the wins team. They're um they they sort of had not a flashy win first up, but they had a dominant performance in round one, and they've backed that up with um a sort of backs against the wall, you know, in the trenches uh, away win over a very hard and competitive uh, Titans team. Yeah, that that that's exactly right, mate. That that's the point to me. Like they had the the flashy stuff in week one at home, you know, a reasonable sort of crowd there 
against, you know, the Broncos who also like to play open football. But the Titans, are more, their strength is their forwards. So they wanted to play it through the middle. And the girls weren't were far from their best. You know, they, were, they weren't particularly sharp after that initial sort of um, onslaught we sort of put on over a sort of 10 or 15-minute period. And we were back to the wall pretty much the entire second half on the road. Um, yeah, that was that to me. That was the good sign that they really toughed it out, and um, and you know we had a few knocks and bruises. To me, got a bad whack there, and and obviously um, had a Southwell is out who was sort of you know is our sort of um, defensive um, specialist in the middle, um, but they kept they kept at it, and that that was to me was the great sign. Mumbles, what, what what were your thoughts on the game, mate? Yeah, really enjoyable. I, I probably missed a chunk of the second half due to family commitments. So when I tuned back in with about 10 minutes to go and saw that the scores were so close, it was kind of, you know, edge of the seat stuff. But, geez, they're a tough team. Yeah. I, I You know, the, the forward pack we knew was going to be their strength. Um, but I'm sure it's been said before, like just the class of um, Tamika Upton, Billy Boyle, like those two girls head and shoulders above everyone else. Um, but yeah, it was good to see them tough out a win. I think they were they were the fancy team going in. I think they were probably expected to win by a little bit more, but um, but but did it the hard way. And yeah, two from two. I think what I enjoyed the most about Sunday's win was, funnily enough, Jesse Southwell. Like I don't think she was the player of the game. But you know when you like, and you see it so often. We sort of mentioned it a bit with maps before. It's like when you come out and you have a great debut game. How are you going to back it up the next time? And it was interesting to me to watch Jesse play against the Titans and see how she dealt with things not going her way. Like the 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 the, the, the first half try that the Titans scored, where she sort of fumbled that kick. And then you could see that Jesse was sort of trying to take on the line and trying to find the breaks, and she just wasn't finding the, the space that she's used to. But she didn't drop her bundle. Like, I still thought some of the kicks that she put in play, like in general play, attacking play, they were still all on the money. And she still put in a 70-minute performance, regardless of the fact that everything she tried just wasn't um, working for her. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. I... um. I was sort of interested to see how she handled that where she um, missed the kick and they scored. Yeah. She, she's, a, she's a baby. Like, you know, we always say we refer to players as kids now, they're 22, 23. She's not of age. You know, she's a, she's a baby. And it was really encouraging because on the next set, when we when we had the ball, she got her hands on the ball at, at least twice, maybe three times. So she stepped up in a moment where a lot of young people would will. And then that continued on. She It wasn't an open game. It wasn't a game that suited the way she played. The Titans, you know, had sort of done some homework on her and, and figured out whatever she put that right foot step on, they were there waiting. Yeah. But she just kept at it. You know, she got barreled a few times by girls twice the size when she was sort of in the line in defense. But the kicking game was A1 all night. Her defense, for the most part, you know, was pretty good. There was no glaring misses for a, a young girl like her getting roughed up a bit, and she still took the line on all the time. She never once shirked the opportunity to run the football. It was, to me, that's more impressive than the the, the flashy stuff because a lot of places do the flashy stuff, and we see it in the men's game too. There's a lot of you know, guys can be, be flashy, but it's down in the trenches. You know that makes you your Andrew Johns, your Jonathan Thurston, the guys that just do enough on those tough nights to get your team home. That's what makes great halfbacks. 
No, and I mean, we, we compared it to Joey after game one. And funnily enough, Sunday night was again when Joey, where my mind went, because, you know, you used to watch J- Andrew Johns have these just absolute bludgers of a game, but he'd still come away from it with a seven or eight out of 10 performance um, because he, whatever Joey did on the field, he always made sure that he always got the simple things right. And I've always, sorry, I do have a tendency to turn these conversations back to Joey, but um, you know, yeah, I, I, talk, I want to talk about him every chance I get. But I always, um, I always refer to Joey's play the ball. If you ever go back and watch any of his games, there is not one play in his 249 first grade games for the Newcastle Knight. There is not one play the ball that he does incorrectly. He always gets to his feet, slams it on the ground rolls it back with his foot. And I always paid attention to that because that's that to me was the foundation of what made him great. He'd make sure that he always got those simple things perfect so that he could do the special things on top of it. And to a certain extent, that's what I really enjoyed watching about um, Jessie on Sunday night was you can tell she loves to get – she's a footballer. She loves to get those simple things right. If the step doesn't work, that's okay. You know, you can't bank on those. She banks on getting her kicking game right, on getting her passing game right, on, and she fucking tackles like a front rower. Like there's just so much strength in her defensive hits – that was actually what why I saw, I, I saw Andrew Johns again because she made sure that she got those basics right when the flashy stuff just wasn't working for her. Mumbles? Yeah, really good to see how she stepped up in her second game. But I just want to give a shout-out to um, Emma Manzelman. I must, oh, yeah. Like, I didn't know a lot about her. Um, absolutely outstanding, particularly in the first half. Like, just... Out of dummy half with pace, I think she scored one try herself, um, set up another try, got absolutely cleaned up by either the fullback or the winger as she gave the, the offload away as well. Um, yeah, as I said, I don't know much about her, but she was a real surprise packet for me. And someone Unfortunately, that's, uh, we'll probably lose her. She's a, she's a gold star, so unfortunately she'll probably yeah, go to the Cowboys right. next year. But she's a perfect 14. Because she's not big enough to start, I don't think. She's very, very small. But she's so electric around the ruck, around tired forwards. But, yeah, she won the game for us in a 10-minute spell there. Absolutely. Well, it, it's funny you should say that. But, yeah, she actually literally won the game for us because she scored what ultimately was the um, the the try that proved the difference at the end. Boys, I, I want to ask you about these three players. So just bear with me for two seconds. Caitlin Johnson, 102 metres run. Millie Boyle, 159 metres run. Uh, Taylor Predabon, 143 metres run. Can I put the king-size mock on those three and ask if we have the best front row rotation in the NRLW? We have the best front row rotation in the NRL, period. There's no yeah. three four, There's no three front rows in any team that play to that standard. You've probably got the two best front rows in the game, and then you've got, I think, the best um, bench front row in the game. Um, Caitlin Johnson... Every minute that she's played this in her second season with us has just more and more emphasised what a loss she was in that first season. And, and in fact, you actually now realise just how injured she was in that first game. Because you and I were disappointed in her, Bretto. Like, after yeah. that first game, we were like, well, she can't live up to the hype. Well, she is, she's come to Newcastle and she hasn't delivered. Now, you found out that she was injured. We lost her for the season. We didn't win a game. And we are a completely different team with a fully fit Caitlin Johnson um, leading from the front. She's infectious. Just she oh, yeah. the gritty. She did the gritty when she scored, which was a legitimate try, by the way, and that would have probably sealed the game earlier. Um, 
But she's just infectious. Like, she just she runs so hard. She tackles so hard. She slaps all the teammates on the back when they do something good. She's the first one there to celebrate a try. She's just, like, not only the fact she's a star individually, she's a star teammate. Mm. Um, another player I want to give another shout-out to again this week is probably Romy Teitzel. Again, like, I, I wasn't sure going into this season how she was going to react to Tamika Upton coming in, so she loses her position. But then we make um, Millie Boyle and – is it Millie and Caitlin? Are they the co-captains? No, Millie and Hannah were. So oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. And uh, But Romy loses – so she loses the captaincy as well. And, you know, she doesn't – she's a, she's another North Queenslander who probably go to the Cowboys. She could have been kicking stones this season – I think she's playing better this season than she did earlier in the year. Like, it's almost like second row is... She's found her position. 100%. She was a natural athlete, so that's why she played fullback, because she's she's big and strong and bust tackles, and she's an athlete. That's why she played fullback. But edge is her position. It's like she's... She'll only get bigger and stronger, you know, as she gets more and more NRLW pre-seasons into her. She'll uh, she'll be a handful in two or three years' time. So I've um, I've decided who and you know I, I mean this in the in the most rugby league type of spirit that I possibly can, but I'm of the opinion that something isn't genuine if you don't find something about it to hate. And I've got to be honest with you, Steph Hancock, I I'm I'm off her at, like you cannot believe she's because, always she's she, she's always been a grub. I um oh man, going, going back here watching um Women's Origin, she mate, she's the most hated Queenslander. She. She's yeah, she's just Shane Webkey, like yeah, she's a grub. Well, you see, like you sort of say that, like there's nothing that she does, there's nothing that she does that I sort of compare to. Like I hated Shane Webkey because he was good, not because I was worried he was going to violently sort of um, damage my my player and all. But mate, that that um, slide in with the knees into Millie Boyle's um, ribs when she too was held up in goal, like I don't understand why the, why nothing came from that. Like oh, the, the, like, that that hundred percent had to be a sin bin for dangerous contact. Yeah, but the thing with Steph Hancock, Steph Hancock, like you know, five or six years ago was the best front rower in the game, and I think and she's forty now. Credit to her, she's still playing professionally and playing Origin, and she probably played for the Jillaroos at forty. But to me, she's she's not as good as she was. So she's got grubbier and grubbier to compensate. And yeah, that's yeah that those those knees could have easily uh, broken Millie's uh, ribs and been out for the rest of the year. Well, I um, I I genuinely did think that I thought I thought we've lost Hannah in round one. We're going to lose um, Millie in round two. Like that was as a Knights fan, that's where your mind goes. You just automatically assume that there's going to be heavy contact resulting in one of your better players being taken out. Um, I don't. I can't believe Millie played on. I, I, I just. I can't believe that she didn't injure herself. As it turns the, out, I think it got her more in the stomach, so that saved her. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, but Millie had another great game again. A hundred, uh, I think she was, well, Tamika topped her with metres run, 241, freak of a player. I still don't understand how she's playing for the Knights. Um, but, yeah, once again, Millie was the um, biggest metre reader for um, forwards, um, 159 uh, on, the, on, the, on the day. Millie is everything we thought that she would be, but possibly more for the Knights this season. Agree? You disagree? Know, she has been impressed about Millie. She hasn't been the barnstorming tackle bust to try score in US of the Broncos yet, but she's still getting huge numbers because every time she's like Clem, she just drags defenders to two or three metres every single tackle. And once she, you know, eventually she'll have those games where she just runs through teams, mate. She is going to be a handful. <laughs>
expert. I just love the game. But more than that, I love the community. If you're a fan of rugby league or the NRL, you'll love Big T's Tees. Unique, affordable and made for fans. Find a link to the online store in the show notes below. You'd look good in one of Big T's Tees. Mumbles, I want to throw to you uh, at least on this one because I do like a good, like we just love a good fan perspective. Uh, at sixteen to six up going into the second half, when we weren't able to capitalise on territory, on a scale of one to ten, how nervous were you, and why was it fifteen? <laughs> yeah, look, I don't know. I was reasonably confident that we that we'd go. Oh, really? Yeah. I- I, I just think there's a there's a different vibe about the, the women's team than the men's. Um, been super impressed with the the team spirit and the camaraderie that, that they've shown. And I think the girls have done a few press conferences over the last couple of weeks to say that they've made a real effort on that. Um, I think I mentioned earlier I, I missed a large chunk of the second half just because of the timing of the game on Sunday night and family commitments. So when I did get back in front of the TV with about 10 or 15 to go. I, I did expect this really to have it wrapped up by then. Um, but, um, I mean, they got the result in the end. But, um, yeah, it wouldn't be Newcastle, I guess, unless we did it the hard way. Well, we can't do anything easy. Yeah. No, I actually, so I got I got a message from um, one of our mates, uh, Ori, uh, with about 20 to, 20, uh, 15 to go. And he just straight up messaged me going, we're going to bottle this. And I was like, why? Why would you message me this? Like, what do you think this is going to achieve? I don't need this. I am already as nervous as I could possibly be about this game. Why would you throw that at me right now? I don't need to be hearing this because, yeah, because I'm he's a nice fan and we automatically <laughs> panic. <laughs> it's, it's in the DNA, isn't it? Uh, um, and, and it should be because we've experienced it a thousand times. Yeah. But I absolutely agree with <laughs> The funny thing is, um, Mumbles, is that I do agree with you that there is a different vibe about this women's, about the NRLW team. I I don't disagree with that. But for 40 years now, going on 40 years, so many nights teams have had a different vibe about them and they're still losing. So... There was a part of me that I mean, because you and I were at the first the first ever game against the Eels earlier this year, yeah. And you and I were riding every kick of that game. We were like, you know, and we were right there to the end. And when we lost at the death to the first ever field goal in the history of the NRLW, you and I sort of looked at each other and went, "Well, that's just classic Newcastle." So you know what I mean. So yeah. even though there was every part of me. Newcastle Knights fans are the weirdest creation because we can simultaneously have 100% belief in them to win, but still know that we're going to lose. Like we're such a, you know what I mean? We're such a contradiction at so many times. So Yeah, it's a long and storied history, isn't it? Yeah. And so I think for me, the performance was great, but it really was one of those games where the result was everything. Because you didn't want to see it, it was you don't want to know what it was. It was nice to see a Newcastle Knights team with a different vibe about them that put in a winning performance that got the win that they deserved. I think I think that to me was what sort of 
separates them from um, from that that storied t- you know it's, decades it's, long history. It's nice to be able to do it both ways because even in the glory days, we we were running gun, you know, we were forty to thirty, all that sort of stuff. Like we didn't even care that was going to score to hit the front because we knew we'd score to beat them. Yeah. And then in that Amy O'Brien sort of finals year, you know, it's been grinded out. We actually had a team that could do both. This team done both in two weeks. To me, that was the, the really the really exciting thing. Bretto, you were you were definitely excited about Ron Griffiths when he was uh, appointed um, to replace um, uh, Casey Bromelow. I mean, he's done everything that you need to of a coach. He, you know, he's two from two for his coaching. But it, has that actually what's impressed you maybe more about him is the fact that he can produce a team, or no, sorry, that he can coach a team to be flashy when they need to be, but to grind it out when they need to as well. Yeah, he's. He's really good at playing to strength and playing to the opposition's uh, weaknesses. Um, I was I was happy about Casey Bromelow too because these guys are two specialist women's coaches. These are people who coach men's team and have sort of gone into the women's game. The these guys coach women um, the way the women's game needs to be played because it's not the same game as the men. It's it's as exciting as the men's game, but it's a different game. And he's really good at identifying his team's strength and the opposition's weakness. And he did that really well against Brisbane. And and even though we didn't play particularly well this week against the Titans, he still knew how to beat them. You know, we, we still beat them on the edges. And when we were playing well for that period in the first half, that's where we got them. We got them through the middle and on the edge. You know, we didn't try and play around and we, did, we didn't um, fl- fluff at all. Um, Jesse Southwell wasn't um, trying to run and gun, you know, th- out wide, um, he's yeah, he's a really, really smart coach. Um, it, it's funny what you say in terms of um, in terms of. I remember when we were talking earlier this year, and you said one of the things that separates rugby league from any other game is that not for, certainly fatigue element, but that like it, it's it's actually the psychological grind because when you get to the end of the game. Um, you know, it can be a really lonely place out there because your body's tired, you know, you're mentally tired, but you've just got to find a way to get yourself back in the line and to keep doing it. And there was an interesting quote from um, from Ron where he said, because um, he just talked about, you know, how they sort of grounded out. And he said it was a little bit of fatigue, but we also need to understand that we need to have a tough mindset. If we're tired, we've got to be able to get through that period. And it, it's sort of nice to see a coach that, um, you know, recognizes that he recognizes the that that element of the game that they need to be across if they want to win the big games. Because like we're we're now one win away from securing a finals place uh, this season. So it's it's clear to me that Ron is sort of coaching this team in a way where he's like he's continually looking forward, which Do is you what you want. Remember, Brian did the big thing um, in this preseason. That, you know, they've got to get they've got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm, mm. Well, Ron. Has actually coached that into his team. Yeah, Ron's team were were comfortable with the uncomfortable. They were exhausted at the end of that game, and they kept turning up for each other. They kept making one on one tackles as needed. You know, when they were out on their feet, those big girls in the middle, they were getting that tough run off their off their try line. They were actually doing what Adam O'Brien has tried to preach the men to do, and the men refused to do because they're mental midgets. These girls actually did it. They were out on their feet and they kept turning up and they were comfortable with being uncomfortable. Do you think, and I'll, I'll throw this one to you, Mumbles, do you think 
there's the potential there for the men to get something, like to learn something from the women's team. I mean, can they be inspired by them, or is there is there the opportunity there for the NRLW team to sort of show the men the way? I mean, because ultimately you'd like the club to be successful. You sort of, I mean, you look at the way the Roosters sort of celebrate their men as long as well as their women. You know, they're all winning trophies. Ideally, that's what you really... Is there something that the women's team can offer to the men to sort of show them the way, or are they really their own two entities and they've really got to travel their own path? Yeah, look, I mean, the, the guys obviously should be professional enough that they're not relying on the yeah. women's team and their results. But I, I think it does. You make a point around the team culture, um, and it was good to see at the Raiders game the other week, uh, the men play first and then, you know, lined up with the guard of honour as the women's team ran onto the field. And I think we all kind of suspected that maybe the men's team found an extra 5 or 10% during their game against the Raiders by the pure fact that they they didn't want to be embarrassed in front of the home crowd knowing that the women were going to run out favourites. So, look, as I said, you'd like to think that from a professional perspective they're not relying on it, but I'm sure it does play it, like, even if it's a small part. Gents, we'll, we'll look we'll look towards um, this weekend, I guess. Uh, Knights v Eels, twelve p.m. Are you both are you get, are you both going to be at that game? Because I'm actually not sure if I'm going to be able to make it because of Father's Day, Father's Day lunch. Yeah, I'm the same. Yeah, Unfortunately, I've got a family time. Yeah, it's uh, it's really unfortunate timing. It's it's unavoidable. Um, we're facing off against an Eels team that hasn't won a game yet this season. Uh, I'm just looking through here. Look, I'm actually surprised. Well, I'm not surprised that Tamika Upton's been named. I was actually surprised that she didn't cop a facial fracture um, at the end of that game on Sunday night because that was like her face looked like it was swollen, quite badly swollen. Gee, she looked. I, I, I was like you. I was panicked. I actually screenshotted it and had a closer look. I don't think the swelling was on the cheek. I think she's copped it across the mouth and whether it's a tooth or the gum or something has swollen up there. And, and because she was crying, she was upset and she was obviously hot right. and tired. She's just had swelling there. But I yep. don't actually think it was the cheek that was swollen up, which was, you know, relieving. Um, to me, because she ran for 241 metres on Sunday night. I, I still... I still don't know what we did to deserve her. I still don't know what we did to convince Tamika Upton to come and play for us, but fuck, I'm glad that we did it. We got Millie Boyle and their besties. That's what we did. Oh, is that, is that right, is it? Yeah, they're besties. Oh, so you genuinely so, – like you reckon Millie was in your ear going, you got to come with me. Well, Millie, Millie was coming. Millie was coming and Tamika and, – and we all just hear Tamika say the Broncos, she's a Queenslander. But Millie was coming and then I, I assume the Knights were just throwing out the idea – would Tamika like to come? Yeah. And they've worked on it, and, it, and she's come. All right. Well, yeah, no, that's um, – well, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm even – I'm doubly happy now that uh, that Millie's come to uh, come to Newcastle. Um, but, no, we're playing a Parramatta side that sort of, uh, again, probably hasn't lived up to expectations over the first uh, over the first two rounds. Knights rightfully will go into favourites for that game, but it's not going to be an easy one. I mean – one of the things I actually do love about the NRLW, can we? I want to talk to you about this. I want to talk about the the, the sort of the length, or at least this. I love that literally every game actually does still matter in the NRLW. I, I actually think there's something that I'm just I'm, I'm just transfixed by by the fact that it's a seven week tournament and every minute of every game matters because it's almost like you get to watch a mini like a, a, a World Cup 
annually. You know, when it like yeah, it's a very World Cup feel, isn't it? Yeah, and there, there there are just no loose games. You sort of I like the idea that they're they're expanding, and I wanna I wanna have more of it. But by the same token, I just I love that intensity of every week, every game matters, and you've you've just got to be switched on all the time. Yeah, it's um, you know, it's what's been really good way that they've done it. Like, a lot of people question the idea of doing it at the end of the season, mixing with the finals because it didn't get them enough attention. But they've actually done it really well in terms of the yeah, it's that real World Cup intense feel, and it goes well with the finals because, like the finals, every single minute matters. Yeah. Mumbles, thoughts. Yeah, look, it works for me. Um, and, you know, just kind of based on the social media feedback as well, and we all know that can be an interesting place to be. Like, you see so many positive comments. Um, you know, a lot of fans out there enjoying it, getting on board. Um, yeah, mate, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And well, how many teams are there going to be next year? Is it just the, the extra two they're bringing in? And then what impact does that have on length of the season and so forth? Next year's an extra four, isn't it? Yeah, I thought right. it was ten. It's up to 10, 10, yeah. Okay. Can- so Canberra, the- Cowboys, or the Gold Tigers? Stars, um, Cronulla, and the Tigers. Yeah, yeah. Um, guys, can we just, can I just quickly ask you about the Broncos? I mean, this was a team that had lost one regular season game coming into this season. They actually haven't won a game yet going into round three. They're playing the Dragons, and the Dragons are doing quite well. Um, were the Broncos as good as we thought they were, or were they more reliant on Millie Boyle and Tamika Upton than we realise? Oh, the Broncos. The, the Broncos were the Jillaroos. They they had three quarters of the Jillaroos team. That's why they were so great. And yeah. then that team started to be broken up. That's as simple as that, really. And some of their and some of their greats are, are, are you know that didn't leave are, are starting to age. Yeah, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's it's the Broncos. Look, they've they've had more than enough success. I don't particularly care. Um, but it's like it's like Mumble sort of mentioned. You know, the, the the competition is expanding next year. I mean, I don't. Can, can I be honest with you? I actually don't follow the women's game outside of the NRLW enough to. But is the talent there? Is the talent there for ten teams? Just bearing in mind the cliff that the Broncos seem to have gone off is pretty significant, given the expansion to six teams and the way that they've sort of handled losing their talent. No, I I, I didn't think there was enough talent there, but I'm starting to think there is. The the, the standard of the New South Wales uh, Harvey Norman Premiership here and the BSP Premiership in Queensland this year was exponentially better than what it was. Oh, you think like Kate, Caitlin Moran can't get a game with us at the moment. We've got yeah. two or three other girls that were great in that um, BSP Premiership in Brisbane that can't get a game with us at the moment. There's enough talent. Um, it'll All it'll mean was like, we'll lose a few, the Dragons will lose a few, the Roosters will lose a few. Brisbane will, you know, there'll be some local girls step up for them next year. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I was really worried going into this year when they said 10 teams um, for next year, but uh, no, I'm, I'm confident that the standard will be at least what it is now, and then it'll continue to get better in two or three years' time. I might be testing you a bit here, boys, and answer if you as much as you can. Who are the? I mean, I, there are three, well, four actually, clear standouts for mine. But who are the five NRLW players that you heavily protect going into next year that you build a team around? Um, 
given the given the expansion that we've from brought, us? That we've, yeah, for, for, for Newcastle Knights um, to NRLW players. Tamika, Millie, Caitlin, Hannah Southwell, Jesse Southwell. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a pretty clear cut five. Um, any 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 sort of other players that come to mind beyond that, or do you think we can sort of handle, you know, losses outside of that if I'd we like maintain to, that? I'd call? like to keep Predabon. Yeah, I think she's the best of the 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 best of the rest. It's not fair to her, but I think she, we we may lose her because someone will offer a starting spot. Do you reckon Hannah will be fit for the season next year? Um, it'll be close, but I, I hope so. And I, I was actually worried we would because there's the two um, marquee spots you can play pay more to. Obviously, Tamika and Amelia Owls, and Hannah's our sort of our highest paid of the next lot. I was worried that someone would offer Hannah um, and Jesse to a marquee spot, but I think those girls are so Newcastle and so excited to play together. We'll keep them on unders, which is great for us. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I'm assuming you're tipping a night. So we'll we'll do the we'll do a couple of tips at least at least for the Knights games. Um, you're tipping the Knights over the Eels this weekend, both of you. Yeah, yeah, without doubt. All right, let's let's get onto the hard stuff. Are we any chance against the Sharks no. on Sunday? I'm I'm honestly I ho- I'm hoping it's not 62 now. I'm hoping we don't become their newest body merchandise thing. <laughs> We do like to give them something to celebrate. This is this is uh, to be true. I I don't know. You sort of Knights fans Ob- always. Albies Day used to be unbeatable, mate. We 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 barely win that Albies Day anymore. Yeah, because I, I, well, because I, I remember when um when Paul the Chief Harrigan, like he used to be laughed at on the footy show. And he said, no, it's, it's Old Boys Day this weekend. The Knights are at, they cannot lose. And yeah, lo and yeah. behold, we'd we'd pull a win. Um, yeah out of the clear blue sky. But I guess that's, that's you know, from, for the men's team, is that something that's, it, it's just the lack of faith in the men's team that's actually been the hardest thing to fathom this week, this 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 year? Because granted, we ended up scoring 26 points, but as soon as the Titans team got out to a, a 16, 20 point lead on Sunday, you just like, you just—it's like Joe Frost said. That it, there was an air of inevitability about. It. Like you sort of knew that the game was over, to, despite the the leg up at the end to sort of try and get a couple more opportunities. It's just—it's just so dispiriting as a Knights fan to finally reach that point where you just have zero belief in them anymore. Yeah, it's it's just um, like it's frustrating. I mean, as we've said, it's been a long season. We've got a few guys out. I mean, it's it's not really an excuse, but I think the issue for me this year has been like there's quite a number of guys in key positions that have been asked to do jobs that they're either playing out of position or you know playing above their station, and it and it just shows week after week. Um, you know, whether it's Adam Clune who would have gone into the season, you know, we still had Pierce signed when we signed Clune. Um, Look, I think he's done a serviceable job, but over the course of 25 rounds in and out of first grade, um, like he's, you know, he's done his best. You know, the, the back rows thin. I actually think we match up man for man okay against this shark squad, but mm. it's just those key moments of the game where we saw against the Titans, for example, where you know, we're looking okay, then we drop our bundle and eight minutes later we haven't touched the ball and conceded three tries. And, 
you just get a, a sense that, you know, what's going to be different this week. I heard someone say that it's disappointing that um, Penrith are resting all their players so the Cowboys will win, which means the Sharks have to win. So then the Sharks won't rest anybody. But I'm actually excited that they won't rest anybody because it would have been the most embarrassing thing ever if they send the reserve grade team up. And, and we still lose. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. I think because I think you and I were saying at the time, Brett, I remember when the Manly Seven were dropped and I sort of commented, oh, why couldn't they have dropped the man? Why couldn't they have you know, worn the pride jersey against the Knights. And you're like, what are you talking about, mate? We still would have lost. It would have been even more embarrassing. Yeah, 100%. Newcastle are the premiers. Hey, Bredo, look, you've been a um, a competition lead organiser extraordinaire in the background uh, this season. We've, we, you've been very successfully, I'm assuming, running uh, dual super coach uh, fantasy comps um, this season. Um, first of all, how did you go? Because you were in both of them. How did yep. you go? Where did you end up finishing? And uh, how, how proudly did you fly the flag for the Bay 53 podcast? So league league one, I um I was minor premier and then went out in straight sets. Very very paramatter of me. Very Newcastle. Um, league two, I snuck well. into the finals in eighth, I think, and got through to the prelim before getting rolled. Now, uh, it's actually yeah. interesting. All four teams that made the finals, that made the grand final, knocked me out at various stages in the finals. <laughs> so league one, we had the Sitzberg Peelers against Cam Newey. Um, tell us a bit about those teams, mate. How did they go this season? What were your, what were, what were your vibes on on them um, as, as the season rolled on? So, yeah, so that was the league I went out in straight set. So the the, the, uh, the Peelers beat me in week one in the first versus fourth matchup. And we, I've got a very similar team to them. We're very even. They snuck through and they, you know, and they went, then went on with it. Cam Newey was, was an interesting one. It was one of those teams that you're quite often because in in Supercoach you have two competitions, but you only have one team. So mm. you have the overall, which is you know for the fifty green, and you have the head head stuff. So a lot of guys will just concentrate on the head head team, so they won't make as many changes, and they'll save their trades for the finals, and they'll just make sure they sneak into you know seventh or eighth, and then they'll go hard. And to me, that was the feel I got from Cam Newey. They played it really smart, stuck in a spot. And then went bang, bang, bang and made the grand final. But unfortunately, couldn't get over the line in the big one. So uh, the Sitzberg Peelers won the League One grand final, 1,279 points to Cam Newey's 1,111. That is a beautiful score, 1-1-1-1. One, 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 one. Um, I don't know how closely you're following it, but what was the, ultimately the difference? Who was the, who was the player that really tipped the Peelers over the edge there in the end? The Peelers had a lot of I, – I, I just started off the top of my head. The Peelers – um, I think had quite a few Parramatta players. Yeah, right. No, that would have been a great. Oh, that would have been great. Sort of guys, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Sean Lane, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, great week to have them. So, look, congratulations to um, the Sitzberg Peelers. They're the the League One winners. Um, and I'm going to get to their prize in a second because I want to quickly. So we'll, we'll duck over to League Two. Uh, Sam's Seals took on Knights 2022 and um, that was uh, that was actually a really close game in the end. Matchup in the end. There was only 37 points the difference. 
Yeah, I'm glad Sam won won that one. He was the, he was the class act of the entire competition. He was uh, yeah, he was up top of the table or from from go to woe. He um he's another one. He had another similar team to me, but he made some really smart decisions around his halves and that sort of stuff. And he seemed to jump on the right ships at the right time. Now he he deserved that that win. No, look, look, congratulations to both of the winners. I'm actually really glad as well that both of the winners, like they were, they were, they they scored the two most points as well out of the four matchups. Because you know when you sort of see these formats and you're like, well, it all depends on who I come up against that weekend. Yeah. And so you could have been a runner-up in League One, be like, fuck, I would have beaten either of those other two if we. So the two grand final winners. Which in I the did. End... If I made the grand final, I would have won both. I'd, I'd beat those guys, all those scores. <laughs> Um, so yeah, as we uh, as we advertised during the week, we've got um, one home, one away, uh, 2022 Newcastle Knights jersey signed by the great great man himself, Andrew Joey Johns. Shout out to Statue Guy for um, setting those bad boys up for us. And, and shout out to a sponsor who provided the jerseys. Yeah, thank. Yep, 100%. A plus contracting. They uh, they come to the fore again. They supplied us with um, some. Brand new mint jerseys for um, for Joey to um, whack his signature on. So, um, Brett, I'll, I'll get you to um, to message the or you know message us next time you can. Get, send us some contact details, and um, we'll send you out a um, jersey. I'll have a chat with you off air how we decide who gets the home and who gets the the away jersey, um, Bretto. But um, but yeah. yeah, if we look, if we don't get taken off the air in twenty twenty three, we might try to see if we can. Um, uh, uh, have another couple of comps and um we might try and do a, a, a an a uh, super coach one and a tipping comp maybe yeah definitely oh look I, I i'm much more of a tipping comp man myself i sort of um because i'm in a um i'm in a fantasy league it, but, but it, like it's a it's a sort of um uh it's a it's just one that some blokes have made up you know with their own rules and uh i usually get to about round eight or nine and i'm useless after that because i'm like no, i just can't keep up with the player trades that are going uh so yeah tipping is very much um very much my forte boys thank you very much as always for for your time mumbles um thank you for joining us i, I hope you've had fun uh i, I was saying to big t yesterday look it's been a long season. It, it's it's very hard watching the Knights uh, losing on a regular basis. But when you decide to do a podcast and then you've got to relive it each week, it's even harder. So I do appreciate you joining us to um, deconstruct the men's team, but then have that added light at the end with the women's team. Yeah, thanks for having us, guys. Been an avid listener of the pod, and it's um, yeah good to catch up and talk about the Knights. Um. I guess because we'll, I guess we'll, we'll see you um, we'll see you at the game on on Sunday for um, for some for our last Bay Fifty Three catch up for the season because th- there are no NRL there are no more NRLW games at McDonald Jones Stadium after this Sunday that that's it for no, the year no no yeah. they will pre play before finals games yeah 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 so um, yeah it's a shame about fa- like it clashing with Father's Day because um, my family live out at Toronto so there's. There's just zero chance that I'm going to be able to make it to the game on time. So, um, look, um, yeah, thank you very much for joining us. Um, Mumbles, any final thoughts before we um, before we cut you off? Uh, only that surely next year. Surely next year's got to be better than this year. Well, while we've got you, just before we do go, while we've got you, have you got a way too early prediction for season 2023? Do you think 
we get better, we get worse. What, what are your expectations for next season? Yeah, I've had a bit of a think about it and, and just some of the, the chats going on around the joint. I, I don't think that we're as far away as maybe what I thought earlier in the season. There's obviously a couple of key pieces that we've got to sort out. Um, look, I don't think finals are out of the question next year. Oh. Certainly, Certainly lower end. Um, but yeah, look, you've There's got to so have hope for what have you got. It's so hard to predict because so much of it is between the ears. Yeah. It, well, exactly right. I think that's been the most disappointing thing about this season. The results should be should have been better than what we've had. Even like the, the the result on the weekend, there was nothing surer than um, the Gold Coast scoring thirty plus points. But like that team still should be doing better than than what they are. Mm. Bretto, your too early prediction for 2023? Oh, I, I'm a rusted on moron. We've, we've established that over many weeks. <laughs> I, I um, I think if we find a halfback, and I don't mean a gun halfback, I mean a halfback that can get KP into the game, I think we're a bottom half of the eight team. Is that halfback Luke Brooks? Everyone's going to hate me for this. I want Luke Brooks. Oh, you do! Oh, man. Oh, shit. I thought you'd gone off. I thought, because we I know you and I were huge on him on the preseason, but I just, I thought you and I had decided, Brenna, you, you've got to team me up before we record, mate. I thought you and I had gone off him because we just watched the, like, just the you brutality. why I've, I've turned back? Yes, I need to because, know. Because I, because I think Luke Brooks would be really great next to KP at six. If KP goes to six, I want Brooks at seven and Garrick at one. That's what I want. What What, what about – oh, hang on. So we're about to stop recording. We may have just started. <laughs> what, what What about Brooks do you think uh, unlocks KP at six as opposed to Clune or Clifford or any other halfback in the game? What is it about Brooks specifically at seven that unlocks KP? The kicking game. My concern for having KP at six is that he's going to be – Shoulder with too much responsibility about game management. And I'm not saying Luke Brooks is a game manager because he's not. Jaden Braley's our game manager, but Luke Brooks can manage the kicking game. And that's what I thought Jake Clifford could do, and he he's failed to do that. Luke Luke Brooks. Luke Brooks, let's let's not deny it. We all we all know Luke Brooks. We all know Luke Brooks hasn't made the finals ever. All the things about Luke Brooks. He's still one of the most talented halfbacks in the NRL. And it's ridiculous to think the Knights can ever undo that. But I actually just think he needs to get away from the toxic environment that he's become for the Tigers. Uh, Mumbles, you're, you're going to have to say something. I'm still speechless. Yeah, this. I'm trying I'm, to. Yeah, I'm I'm shocked as well. I, I would have been on board with that at the start of the season, but just seeing how it's panned out, where the Tigers are on the ladder, um, I think they may even have a worse attacking record than the Knights. Um, look. But can I just say to that because their yeah. forward pack's mud. It's not the great. Forward pack is so bad; those halves get belted before the football even gets to them. And that's why Jackson Hastings has been successful because he's a he's a lock. He's a lock that plays halfback, so he can bounce off guys. He can play in around the line. Luke Brooks needs space. He's he's an he's an open space running um, long passing halfback behind a mud forward pack. He's got no chance. Yeah, my concern um, with, with Brooks is, though, like you're locking him in if it doesn't work and then he's eating a huge chunk of your cap and then you're kind of back to square one. Like there's, oh, no, there's no, no. He's, he's, he's absolutely – Luke, we'll, we'll pay half your contract next year and we'll give you that again the year after, but that's it, buddy. You get two, you get two years at it. 
And if we get him, are we likely to get another fullback? Do you think? I I, th- I, I don't I don't know. But I, as I said, Brooks to me comes with Garrick because I want KP at six next to Brooks. If, if we're not, if it's Brooks or Garrick, I'd take Garrick. Um, I I actually think Garrick is more likely. If only, and this is only the soap opera that is rugby league. Um, I really think that that um, I think there's so many players that just don't want to be a manly at the moment because of because of the fallout from the pride jersey. Yep, and I 100%. think he's one of them. I'm not saying because I think he's got. I, you know, the thing is, he knows he's an NRL fullback. He's proven that he's an NRL standard fullback. Yeah. He's not going to be happy sitting on the wing getting wingers money anymore. Wow, that is mate. You started you started the show with a, with a piping hot baking, and you finished the show with one of the hot. I think that is the hottest take we've had on this podcast this year. Because um, I for I for love or money was um, bracing myself for another another rant. Um, look, I, I mean, statue. I, I was talking to statue guy about this. Joey is he's all in on Brooks. Like that that is not speculation. That is not just him saying it for the cameras. He is he one hundred percent believes that the Knights need a halfback, and he, he, the, the best the best available option for us at the moment is to bring Brooks in. And to, as much as we all laugh at the, the the new the new Joey takes of Brooks in his early days, the takes were accurate. Everyone thought it because he could do everything Joey could do, but he just didn't, it just hasn't panned out. He hasn't developed. You know, he's played behind mud forwards. It just hasn't happened for him. You know, and now it looks like most ridiculously ever. But you'd go back and look at him in those first 18 months. He had everything Andrew Joey Johns has, but the ability between the years. I, I think the, the attraction for Brooks coming to Newcastle would probably be, he sees KP and he's like, well, it'd be great to play with a team, whatever they do, and I'm not going to be the fall guy. And I'm sort of joking when I say that, but I actually but mean true. that quite, but I, yeah, I actually mean that quite seriously because he might be able to go somewhere and go, well, if these guys are shit, it's not going to be my fault. And let's see how I react to that. Yep. Um, right, well, no, Bay 53 listeners, you've heard it here first. And if you're still breathing, uh, don't, yeah, when uh, when Luke Brooks is lining up uh, round one next year for the Newcastle Knights, throw a glance over to the happy people over at Bay 53 who predicted it. Bretto, thank you very much for another good episode. Mumbles, we do appreciate you uh, taking the time out. And we know you're a busy man. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you both at the games or the game day this Sunday. And, uh, yeah, enjoy the rest of your rugby league week. Thanks for having us. Thanks, guys. friends would like to thank you for listening right to the end you are our kind of people find other great sports podcasts in our family by subscribing and remember social media isn't a bad place you just need to follow the right people